for 24. Now, I mentioned to you this morning that I grew up in Colorado, and um, my dad had a ski lodge in Colorado, and it was nothing for us. I had to shovel roofs every winter, and um, they will build uh, roofs uh, in Colorado with up to 200 pounds per square foot. Uh, to be able to hold the weight of the snow because once it compacts, believe it or not, it can get really heavy. And um, the way we would do it, we'd get up, we'd, we'd shovel laterally down the edge of a roof about six or eight feet, and then we'd take a piece of uh, plastic and we'd lay it on the part that we had just shoveled, and it was lying right next to the shovel, uh, the part, there was still snow there, you know, still compact snow, and it was compact, and we'd take a coal shovel, and we'd, we'd call it what's, what's called pop it, and you could, you could go like four or five feet out, and you could put a shovel down and pop it up and get a big chunk off, and it would hit that plastic. And once it hit the plastic, boom, it was a lookout below, amen? It was gone, and I've literally seen cars below just literally buried because there's so much snow. And uh, But I tell you, I got the scare of my life one day. I got the scare of my life. When I was pulling the plastic over, my foot got on the plastic. You talk about scary. Amen. I almost wanted to preach one day. I'm going to preach some time on keep your feet off the plastic. Amen. But my foot hit that plastic and it slid out. Luckily, I was on the top and my other foot was on the other side of the ridge. And there I was sitting there like a duck. Amen. On the top of that ridge. All I can say is today, I'm the only reason you know me as your pastor is from the grace of God that day. Amen. And uh, but anyhow, hopefully we won't get that much snow tonight. All right. <laughs> so. I'm not, I'm not good at shoveling snow uh, anymore. Those are, those are days gone by. But uh, anyhow, let's take our Bibles tonight. Let's read this passage out of Matthew chapter 24. And let's begin with verse number 36. And uh, the Bible tells us that we may not know when the Lord is going to come back again. We cannot know nor should we even predict the day and the hour that the Lord's going to come. But we know that he is coming back again. And the Bible does give us a picture of what it will be like when the Lord does come back again. And he reveals that here in this passage of Scripture, beginning with verse number 36. And so notice what it says. The Bible says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming <clears throat> of the Son of Man be. The Bible says it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah when God comes back again. Notice it says in verse 38, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. 
Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, and one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye doth not know, uh, for ye for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your goodness and your blessings. Heavenly Father, help us as we open the Bible to rightly divide the truths of it tonight. And Lord, I pray that the message that you put upon my heart would be imparted, God, by the Holy Spirit tonight. I pray that the Holy Spirit, Lord, would just meet with us and, and um, be real in our service tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word tonight. Bless thy word to each here and help us, Lord, to see what your word says. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible again reminds us and gives us a picture of the coming of the Son of Man. He prefaces it by saying that the day and the hour knoweth no man. We cannot guess when it's going to be. The Bible even says the angels in heaven don't even know when the Lord's going to come back again. But you can be sure that God the Father is going to look down at His Son someday and say, Go get my sheep. Go gather my sheep home. But until then, he gives us signs. He tells us what's going to happen. And he doesn't tell us all the details, but he tells us enough to know what kind of day that we're living in. Now, can I tell you what? We are living in a day, right today, that Scripture compares similarly to the days of Noah. And I want to look at this, look and see what the Bible teaches about the days of Noah and what God has said. Notice, if you would, please, what it says here. I want you to notice the first thing that he says here is that there will be a careless attitude about God. There will be a careless attitude about God. Now, notice in verse 38, he says, For as in the days that were, eat, that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. Now, there's a... I want to tell you, these three things, eating, drinking, and giving in marriage, do you know, and this may surprise you, but there actually is nothing wrong with all three of these things. There's nothing wrong with eating. I take that up on a regular occasion. Amen? If, if we couldn't eat, then I'm telling you, we'd be a bunch of sinners on potluck Sunday. Right? But, but what the Bible is, it's not talking about drinking wine or getting drunk. That's really not the connotation. And, and it's also not the connotation in Scripture when it says they were giving in marriage. Hey, I thought God created marriage. Wasn't that a good thing? It is a good thing. Amen? God, God by the way, God doesn't want two people to shack up. 
Amen? Amen. Hey, lady, if he, if he won't put a big ring on your finger and make a commitment to you, go tell him to go back to mama. Amen? Amen? You see, marriage is commitment. God's for that. Amen? And, and so, what, but what, here's the point of the verse. The point is that they were so focused on other things, they didn't care about God. They were, they had a careless attitude toward God. They didn't care about God. They didn't care about going to church. His word was not only not important, but they didn't want to listen to anything God had to say. Boy, are we like that today? I tell you, we live in a time today when people don't want to hear the Bible. They don't want to hear the Word of God. And the truth is, it convicts their life. And they'd rather push it away than to hear the truth that God is trying to tell them. They'd rather expel it from their ears, hoping somehow that this judgment won't come dismissing it again and again. And you know, the truth is, I believe that God really does work on people's hearts more than we know. I believe that. Um, I believe God works on our people's hearts. I was out past, uh, we're doing uh, tracks yesterday. I, I went up to a house on a corner. I couldn't put a, a, a track in the door. It didn't have a doorknob. I couldn't slide it in the door. I gave up and I walked around the corner and the lady came out and um, she, she kind of had a little bit of an attitude. And she said, hello, can I help you? So I turned around and went back. I said, I'm Pastor Larson. I pastor the mega church right over here across the street. I'm the pastor over there. And she said, um, oh, and she started backing up. And, and, and I said, yeah. And she, I said, well, where do you go to church? She said, she told me she went to church, but then she told me she used to go to a Baptist church. She said, I don't want to go there anymore. I said, why not? She said, well, because I like a church that's got variety. I think she meant all the rock music and all the contemporary stuff that's touchy-feely entertainment, you know. I think that's really what she was saying to me. And uh, I said, well, why don't you come over and visit our church sometime?" She backed up further. I said, um, come on over and visit us sometime. She said, no, I know a member in your church. She said, believe me, preacher, you are well known. <laughs> she turned around and went in the house. I wanted so bad to go in and say, what does that mean? Is that good or bad? <laughs> I didn't know. I'm just hoping it was good, okay? If you all know her, go to her house, and if you're the one that she knows, go to her house and say, it's good, it's all good, okay? But, see, um, a lot of people, you try to give them the gospel, they don't care about God, they're not interested in church. And that is so sad, because God loves them and wants to give them a great life. God really does. He has blessings in store for anybody who'll come to him and live for him, trust him by faith, and live for God. Boy, it was great was the day when I started living for God. Amen. Great was the day. 
Uh, God did wonderful things. But, you know, there are so many people whose minds are distracted. And there's a lot of people that they get involved into sin and distractions in life. And there's just no room for God in their life. And that's what the days of Noah were like. You know, the Bible says it wasn't until the flood that they actually realized they were in a pickle. It didn't, they didn't know until the rain started falling, until the water started rising. Hey, hey, what's going on here? And they went, might have banged on the door of Noah's ark, said, hey, hey, let us in. We're, we're ready to listen. We're, we're ready to hear what you have to say, Noah. God shut that door. When that door was shut, it was shut. You know, God gives us windows of opportunity. And you know what? I believe that people, there are people out there that may pass by a church or go to work with a friend that's a Christian. And God uses them to speak to their heart. And many of them, many of them answer. But many of them wait until the flood waters come. And that's sad. But God says, in that day, it's going to be a careless attitude about God. No interest in spiritual things. They don't need God anymore. Notice, second of all, he says it's going to be a day of self-gratification. Self-gratification. Notice what they were doing here in verse 30. For as in the days, uh, verse 38, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving to marriage. Now, not only did they have a careless attitude, but they were just living self-gratifying. Whatever they felt like doing, they wanted to please themselves. Um, you know, it's surprising what people do when they just live life trying to gratify themselves. Um, you know, I got to work that third job. Can't bring the kids to church so they can have the third car. And you know what? What, what is that going to matter when you get to heaven? What's that going to matter? What's that going to matter? Hear me tonight. They lived self-gratification. I just want to feel good. I want what I want. I just want, I just want to please myself. Number one, big old me is all I'm concerned about. God said that's what it's going to be like in the days of Noah. Boy, how sad that is. Because you see, when you just try to live pleasing yourself, you never find joy and peace in life. When you live for others and you live with a giving heart, a serving heart, Man, that's the way to live. You know, um, the guy that always says, do for me, he's never happy. But the guy that always does for others, he finds happiness and joy in life. You say, why is that? Because God didn't make us just to gratify ourselves. He made us to serve others. He made us to serve him and serve others. And so we see this, though. This is the day of self-gratification. Now take your Bible with me and go back to Genesis chapter 6 with me. And we're going to see a couple more things of that generation. In Genesis chapter 6. And this passage declares to us why God sent the flood. And tells us what was going on in a little bit more detail. 
than in Matthew's gospel. So look at Genesis chapter 6 and uh, verse number 5. Notice here. It says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. God said, I, I wish I would have never made man. I wish I'd have never made man. Think of that. Sent a grieved heart to God. And, and notice the third thing that my, I want to give you tonight here is that it is a day when wickedness was great. Notice God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Boy, I tell you what, we live in a day and age when anybody will try to swindle you. We live in a time when wickedness runs rampant. You know, we, there's, there's a rise in Satanism in this world. There's a rise in satanic churches. By the way, that, those two words don't go together to me. Yeah. Satan and church, they don't go together to me. But there's a rise in satanic churches. The wicked things that are done behind the seat, mur, seat, uh, scenes, murders, rapes, ungodly things going on. There's so much evil. You know, I'll tell you, one of the great horrible sins of wickedness going on in this generation is this sex trafficking stuff. And it's all about money. People will abuse children for money. That's horrible. Rape children. I don't think it gets much more wicked than that. And we're living in a day like that. We're living in a day like that. God said the wickedness of man was great. See, when God sees that wickedness, he doesn't just do nothing. You see that? It affects God. It, it grieved him in his heart. He was sad about that. He was bothered about that because he saw man was wicked. And, and that's not why he made man. He made man to fellowship with him. Uh, we were made by God to have fellowship with him. We're made to talk to him and walk with him. That was the purpose of the Garden of Eden. But man turned wicked. The flesh began to control. And, and when one man's flesh begins to control another, it looks appealing to another man. And before long, everybody's fulfilling the flesh. And nobody's declaring anything wicked. But notice that God saw it, didn't he? God saw it. And God said the wickedness of man was great. And may I tell you what? We're kind of living in that day and age when everybody, you know, everybody wants sin. I believe sin is going to become more and more stronger in this day and age. And true Christians are going to face some persecution. I hope that day never comes. I really do. I thank God for the freedom we have. But you see, the world looks at the Christian today as the one 
that is their stumbling block from fulfilling all the desires that they want to accomplish. The Christian is looked at, we are the trouble in the world, according to the wicked. You are the problem because you believe in the Bible. You believe in God. And somehow, in their twisted mind, in all the evil things that they do, they think that they are good and that God's people are evil. It's a twisted mind. And that is what it was like in the day and age of Noah. It's a day when wickedness was great. But not only that, fourthly, look at the same verse here, verse 5. It says, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Look at that. I looked up that word man's thoughts to see what that word meant, thoughts of man. And it means this. It means mental plots or plans to devise wicked ways and actions. Mental plots or plans to devise wicked ways. Mental plots. Boy, I'll tell you what, we live in a day and age when people are always trying to think up some next wicked device, some next wicked scheme. It's sad, but it's like it is today, just like it was in the days of Noah. You know, really, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Man seems to not learn from history. Man doesn't learn from history. You know, if man doesn't learn from history, we're going to repeat the same mistakes as history. History, history is a lesson in itself. And the reason the flood came is because of this wickedness. And now men are drifting into that same path today. And I tell you what, you can't be too careful with your kids. You can't be too careful with your kids in this day and age. Be careful where they go and who they're with. I don't mean walk around paranoid, okay? But know what's going on because we live in that time. I remember when I was a kid, I used to get on my bicycle, ride it to town, seven miles. I wouldn't... I don't know if I would even do that today, but I certainly wouldn't let one of my kids or my grandkids do that. Hmm. So we live in that time. We ought to be aware of it. Number five, verse 11 and 12 tells us that it's a day of corruption. A day of corruption. Look at verse 11. The Bible says the earth also was corrupt. Before God and the earth is filled with violence. People are corrupt. I want to tell you, we live in corrupt times. There is so, and you know what corrupts people is money. Money makes people corrupted. And corruption, and the more money there is, the more corruption there is because everybody wants their hand in the pot. And whenever you trace Sin, it'll always go back to money because Scripture declares that money is the root of all evil. See? And so with that is an understanding 
as it was in the day of Noah. Can you imagine how much more corruption there even is today? People are corrupt. People are corrupt. Number six, the Bible says in verse 11 that it's full of violence. And the earth was filled. Notice it just, it's, it wasn't just here and there. It was filled with violence. Murder. Violence. Violent people. By the way, sinful hearts are what make people violent. Amen? It, 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 when a Christian's walking with the Lord, it takes violence away. But sin in a person's heart is what causes us to be violent. Human nature. Man wants something, they're wicked, and they, they do evil, violent things. Boy, uh, you know, 50 years ago, <laughs> it, it didn't matter. I mean, you could leave your keys in your car, leave your house unlocked. You know, today you got to handcuff yourself to your child in the store so they don't get stolen. You know, we live in a whole different time, but God said it's coming. Violence. Violence. You know, I recently heard, I think Brother Brandon sent me a a uh, video about how the FBI had talked to many of the sheriffs in, um, in the United States and said, get ready, because there's stuff going on. There's stuff going on in this country. We have no idea. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of the people that they've left allowed through the border are part of a conglomeration to destroy this country. They say, oh, no, preacher. Well, you don't have to believe it until the flood comes. But when that flood comes, I'm telling you. And, you know, they're, they're starting to increase these drones. There's going to be drone attacks. That was one of the warnings. Now, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I think wickedness is prevalent in this world. And it's coming in a greater way. It's coming in a greater way than what we see it. So the Lord warns us here. He says the earth will be filled with violence. Filled. Imagine. And what does violence do? It takes away peace and security, doesn't it? It makes you afraid to even get out of your house. It makes you even afraid to go talk to somebody. I think the devil uses violence to uh, even stop soul winning efforts in the world which we live today. Brother Gonzo and I had a visit. We went way down. It was on the other side of Thunderbird. And we went down a street. I'm telling you, that street was rough. Amen? I was glad I had a Marine. Uh, army man, not Marine. Don't say that. Don't say that to an Army man. I'm glad I had Brother Gonzo with me. Because this place, this street was so bad, I mean, the rednecks would have moved out. It was, it was tough, rough, mean. And we went up to a house, and I was afraid. <laughs> I, I whistled for the dog. <whistles> Where's the dog? You know, everybody's got a pit bull dog on a logging chain out there. And I thought, 
Oh, man, where, what have we gotten ourselves? And by the way, somebody gave me that. It was a preacher sent me that address, that house to visit someone who was a member of his church, a family member in his church. And I, I think the preacher just didn't like me. Amen. But we went out there, tried to visit. Man came to the door, <coughs> creak, stuck his head out. I said, hey, we're looking for such and such. I mentioned her name. She ain't here. There ain't no one here. Boom, shut the door. I've never been so glad to get out of that neighborhood in all my life. It was rough. <laughs> but, you know, violence destroys security. It destroys peace. It disrupts every way of life. It, and by the way, violence often prevents good people from doing good things. And, and God said, when, that, when the earth comes, when it gets full of violence like that, I'm ready to come. Number seven, it's a day when very few were truly faithful to God. Chapter six, look at verse number nine. Notice in that day and age, the Bible says here, there, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Now, I want to tell you something. You can live for God in a wicked society. It doesn't matter how many of your neighbors are ungodly. What matters is that you and I love God and walk with God, that we're living for God. That's what matters. And some people, some Christians slide into the groove of wanting to fit in with the world. But God's not looking for that. God's looking for a man like Noah. God's looking for a man who just loves him and wants to serve him, wants to please him. That's the kind of man that God's looking for because God blesses that man and God uses him in great ways. By the way, when I say a man, it happened to be a man here, but you know, God does the same thing with women and ladies. Godly ladies, there truly are very few that are faithful to God. You know, uh, I believe that, this sounds crazy, I believe there are a lot of people today that claim to be saved, but really are not. They have some kind of religious ideology that they're holding on to as their salvation, but it's far from true Bible salvation. And we see that permeated by the religious worship leaders of the day. We see the, this formalistic idea of worship today, this uh, idea where you, you, you take of the, like the Catholics believe, you take of the, the Eucharist, and that represents the body of Christ and the wine. And, and if you take that and be a good Catholic, you're saved, you're going to make it. I want to tell you something, that's a lie. It's not in the Word of God. And, and I want to tell you, many are condemning people to eternal hell today by teaching this formalistic ideology. By the way, none of that was even around in Noah's day. Noah didn't need all that to be walking with God and to be righteous with God. He just needed to know God. And he did. We also see this contemporary worship today. And the contemporary worship sadly patterns itself after the look of the world. 
Why? The idea is you have to look like the world to win them. And, and you turn on the television and they got orange hair, some preacher thing or whatever they are, are up there with some orange hair and uh, rips in their blue jeans. And they're up supposedly preaching the word. But, you know, it reminds me of that verse in the Old Testament that uh, about the trumpeter that sent forth an uncertain sound. He's blowing his trumpet, but yet it just didn't sound quite right. And, you know, we have this idea today, this contemporary worship idea that, oh, you've got to be like him to win him. And, boy, you'll just fill a crowd. But the problem is, when you don't preach the truth to them, when you t by, by the way you appear, you're often looking like all you got to do is fit in with the world and you'll be good. And that's the message that comes across. They say, oh, we don't believe that. Well, if you don't believe it, then don't look like it. Amen? You know, a guy in the army doesn't wear a Marine uniform. I said that for Brother Gonzo's sake. Amen? And a guy, in the, uh, a guy in the Navy, he doesn't wear an army uniform. He wears the uniform of what he's on, what he's under, right? And you know, that's the same with us as Christians. When I go into a store, I want to look like a Christian. I don't want to look like the world. It's not the world that saved me. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that saved me by his blessed grace. And I want to do my best to appear and have a, a look like I'm like him. I don't want to look like the world tainted me. Amen? I want to look like the world God touched me and changed my life. And we have this false idea of worship today, which only turns many people away from truth and what's right. Because it's, it's this idea that you can't, Make draw a line or draw a difference between holiness and profane. And they did that in the Bible. It was a wrong kind of worship. But Noah, here's the answer. Verse 8. I like this. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. He found grace. Though the world was wicked around him, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found that God was good and God was gracious and that all he had to do was be faithful to him. He may have faced some mocking or a little bit of criticism, but it didn't matter to him because his relationship with God was close and it was right. He found grace there. He found grace to live every day in that society in the world. He found grace every day to just keep on keeping on for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, that kind of worship that Noah had in his heart, it did three things. First of all, it gave him a heart that felt what God felt. He had a heart that felt what God felt. Notice verse number 9, what it says here. Um, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just and a perfect man, was a, a, was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. See, he had a heart that felt about sin like God did. He had a heart that felt God's goodness because 
the grace of the Lord, he felt it. The second kind of worship Noah had was a desire to build a life-saving place. God said, okay, you love me? Let's build something that'll save some people. Amen? Let's build something that'll save some people. By the way, there wasn't many that got on the ark. Wasn't many. Noah and his wife, the three sons and their wives. That was it. But God wanted them to be saved because they were righteous. They loved him. It took years to build that ark. But it was worth it for the saving of Noah's house because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the third thing that Noah had to do, he had a desire to do God's will. He had a desire to do God's will. Look at verse 22. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. That's a great verse in the Bible. He said, Lord, I want to just do your will. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. You know, I'm praying for our boys. I thank God for that testimony of Sammy. I thank God for our boys in Bible college. You know, my number one prayer for them, and girls too, by the way, my number one prayer for all of them is that they do the will of the Lord for their life. Amen. I wouldn't mind if they all, I wouldn't mind if it was all God's will and they all came back here. Amen. It wouldn't bother me at all. But I want them to do God's will predominantly in their life. And if they do God's will, God will bless them. And that is what Noah did. And so in a day and age when we know that it's beginning to look more and more like the day of Noah. And all these pieces, these wicked things are fitting to where a Christian can see the picture a lot better. We have to understand that there's always grace to be found in the eyes of the Lord. There's always a place where we can go find a shelter in that storm. Not so we can fit in with this world because that world is always pulling on us. You know, if, if the world can get the Christian to dip their sails, then they will feel more empowered in the wickedness in which they live. And that's why as a Christian, we can't dip ourselves. We've just got to stay close to the Lord. And he's sufficient. Amen? His grace is sufficient for us. And his desire, a desire to do God's will is what all of us need to pursue. Whatever that is, whatever that is, do God's will for your life. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And you know, the day and age which we live, I believe God rewards people in accordance to the wickedness of the day of the age in which they live. I believe there's a lot of rewards for Noah in heaven because he had to live, he had to live in the strength of God in the generation which he had. And I believe there's rewards for God's people that live in a wicked generation and praise his name and honor his name and let his name be glorified and honored. Amen? Let's continue to just keep on serving the Lord knowing that the wickedness of this world is great and it'll never change. But God's grace is sufficient through it all. Amen? Let's bow our heads tonight.
<clears throat> Let's close our eyes.